listening to the weekly sermon from Antioch East Baptist Church, located in Magnolia, Arkansas. For more information about our faith and local congregation, visit AntiochEast.com. Turning your Bibles to Romans chapter 5, consider what we have talked about for the last few weeks, for several months how that man is so sinful he can't save himself and deceived. And yet God steps in and he saves. And he doesn't save you. He doesn't say, I'm going to save you if you do this or that. No, it's just by believing and receiving Christ as your Savior and not by works of... This is basically... All in one verse, this is in Ephesians, but this is what Romans has told us. Not by works of righteousness, which you've done, but according to his mercy, he saves you. And you are saved by placing your faith in Jesus alone. That's it. Just receive the gracious gift of salvation that God has given you through the purchase by the blood of Christ. Romans 5.1, therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also we have access by faith into his grace in which we stand and rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Now, let me show you a great word. We just read it, but, you know, you got to kind of go back and zero in on it. Look at the first word, therefore. <laughs> therefore. Today, I want to talk to you on the benefits of belief. Now that you're saved, look at that. Therefore, having been justified, now that you have Jesus, now that your sins are taken away, now that you know that you're saved, and now that you're trusting Christ alone, you've been justified, declared not guilty by God in heaven. Now that that's happened, uh, and after every every study you do, Sunday school teacher, preachers, every study you do, you got to say, so what? So what? Well, here's the so what. Now that we've been saved, here is what you get for being saved. Romans talks about in chapters 1 through 4, the rule of salvation. In chapters 5 through 8, which we're fixed to begin, we see the reward, it's rewards of salvation. And then chapters 9 through 16, we're going to see the results of salvation. What a difference it makes in your daily life. The practical aspects of the gospel, if you would. All right? I picked up the New Testament commentary by William Hendrickson. It's a commentary I use that I like. If you're looking for a good commentary on the New Testament, it's a good one. And when I flopped open the page to comments, uh, to the comments on Romans 5, the first word that I looked at right there in the center of the page in his outline was effective. <laughs> My Pentecost was about to come out in me, folks. Did you hear what I said? His, his title for this is effective. Let me tell you what the grace of God is. Let me tell you what the blood of Christ is. Let me tell you what faith in Jesus is. It's effective. It works. And it has lasting effects and consequences of joy and gladness and hope and life and peace and glory. Salvation by grace through faith is effective to give all the benefits promised and more. The half has yet been told. And here are the first three listed. Number one, 
Let's read it again. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God. You say, well, Brother Ron, what does that mean in a phrase? No more war. No more war. Now, I don't know if you realize it or not, but before you got saved, you were at war with God. You were against God by nature. And you don't like to hear this, God was against you. The word condemnation, the Bible says that those without Christ are already under condemnation. You know why? Because God doesn't need a trial to know you're guilty. He is the witness, the perfect witness. And before you're saved, you were condemned. Uh, for God so loved the world, He gave His only begotten Son. I always have to use verse 16 first. That He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in Him shall not perish and have everlasting life. For God sent not His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. But we were already under condemnation. And the word condemnation is God declares us a sinner. It is actually a declaration of war. Of war. Verse 10, look down at verse 10. Uh, look at it, it says, For if when we were enemies, we were enemies of God in our sin and in our actions, and we, we worked against his holiness, and, and some people even hated Christianity and hated God. Some of you, maybe that was the situation with you before you got saved. But we were his enemies. But look what verse 1 says, therefore having been justified, <laughs> justified. You know what the word justified means? I tell you all the time, and I'm going to keep telling you, and you're going to get sicker of it. I'm telling you, I like the word, God declares you righteous, not guilty. It is a declaration of peace. God declares you and he at peace. And I've told you this before, usually at Christmas time, when those angels came and gathered and began to say or sing or whatever you want to say, they sang and said, peace on earth, goodwill to men. Now, you can't have a manger scene down at the courthouse sometimes in most places, and you can't have crosses anymore, and you can't prefer one religion over the other. But I want to tell you something, at Christmas time, there ain't nobody that has a problem putting up a sign that says, Peace on earth. You know why? Because they don't know what in the world it means. The furthest thing from God's mind when he said, Peace on earth, was that the Russians and Americans would get together. The last thing on his mind was that the Chinese and the uh, North or South Koreans would get together, that there would be peace in the Middle East. Matter of fact, God told you there's never going to be peace until the Prince of Peace comes. No more war between me and God. Number two, man, we... We're going to meet the, beat the Presbyterians to the restaurant. Number two, through whom also we have access by faith into his grace. Number one, we have peace with God. Number two, we have access to God. Sovereign God who spoke the worlds into existence. You have access to him. <laughs> wow. If you read MacArthur's study Bible and you have some, don't look at it. I'm fixing to read it for you. 
but mine's a little edited. Some of your heads still went down. Don't read it. Look at me. This word for access is used only twice elsewhere in the New Testament, Ephesians 2.18 and 3.12. This word always refers to the believer's access to God through Jesus Christ. What was unthinkable to the Old Testament Jew is now available to all who come to him. Isn't that great? Isn't that awesome? It means a leading or bringing into the presence of I heard a little story about a little boy that was standing at the gates of Buckingham Palace, and he just started to walk right in. And, of course, uh, the guards stopped him and wouldn't let him in and brushed him away, got on to him, told him to leave, and pushed him back. Little one of the, the street kids there, and he said, I want to see the king. I want to see where he sits. I want to see his room. And, and, uh, and a young man came up to him and said, boy, what are you doing? They don't just let anybody in here. And he said, I want to go see the king. He said, why? He said, I just, I love the king. I, I, want, to, I want to see him. I want to, he's so pretty, all those clothes and that robe and all. And, and I, I've heard about his throne room in there. And he took the little boy by the hand. He said, well, all right, let's go. And he walked up to the gates and the guards just stood still, went right through the gates and right down the road, right through the doors, right into the presence of the king. And the little boy got to see the king. And he wondered how in the world it was until the, son, until the king looked down at the young man that brought him in and said, Son, what are you doing here? We have access to God through the Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, but more so by the blood that he shed on Calvary to make it possible for us to come to God. Praise his name. We have access, I'm going through the phrases here, access by faith, by faith. Faith is simple. We, we try our best to, to, to describe it. We want people to get it, but it is very simple. The thing about it is the difference between just faith and believing is when you truly have faith, it's a miraculous thing that God reveals. You remember Simon Peter, uh, 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 Jesus said, who do men say that I am? And Peter told him, he said, whom do you say that I am? And he said, we believe that you are the son of God. And Jesus said, blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah, for flesh and blood hath not revealed this to you, but my Father in heaven. But it starts with realizing and rationalizing that that Jesus is who he is and what he's done, and we are saved by faith. I sing a song. It's my wife's favorite song. I should have sang it this morning, I guess, but it says, By faith, someone tills the land. By faith, and takes the seed in hand. By faith, the seed is scattered round on the broken ground. Then comes the rain, the hot, the burning sun, the wind, the night. This course it all must run. Then at last, harvest time has come, and victory is won. But it's by faith. By faith, in Christ, God is appeased. But without faith, it's impossible to please. By faith, man with a heart believes as Jesus he receives by faith. It is by faith we cr uh, cross the river wide. It is by faith we stand by his dear side. It is by faith in him who bled and died by faith. Just simply believing in Christ as your Lord and Savior, trusting Him, relying on, clinging to, all those things. God said, this is what He said. Listen, 
Listen, it's very difficult to understand. God, of course, he's the greatest intellect that ever is. God is, is intellect. We, we can't even begin. A, 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 an ant would sooner understand us than we could understand God. And this is what God said. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. Woo! Aren't you glad? And I believe it. Therefore, I get it. I get access to God. I get justified. It is by faith, and then number three, into his grace. We have access by faith into his grace, and that word is unmerited favor. I got it not because I'm pretty. I know you don't believe that, but it's not because I'm pretty. It's not because I'm rich. It's not because of any good deed I've done. It is God's. You say, brother, why did God save you? I don't know. Why did God want to save you? It cannot be explained. He just set his love upon me by grace and merited favor. You say, well, Brother Ron, there's got to be a reason. If there's any other reason, it wouldn't be by grace. We weren't coming to him, folks. We were running as fast as we could away from him. Well, anyway, it's by his grace wherein we stand. In the temple, in the temple of Herod's day, uh, Jesus' day, the temple of Herod, you had the Gentile wall, and no Gentiles could come in any further than that. You had the veil, and no one could go in but the priest once a year. And then you had the court of women. That's as far as they could go. But all that's been torn down and ripped up, and everyone that will come to him by faith has access to him. And here is the mystery that has been hid from ages past. Colossians says, Christ in you, the hope of glory. Oh, man, this is good, isn't it? Number three, the third thing we get, and you have the message. Uh, through whom we have access by grace, uh, uh, by faith and to his grace in which we stand and rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Hope of glory. Hope of glory. Now, notice a few words there. Number one, we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. That word rejoice, boast, not in self, but in salvation. That's what the word means. The word means to boast, but it doesn't mean to boast in yourself. What are we boasting in? We are boasting in that salvation given to us by the grace of God through faith in the blood of Christ. And we rejoice and we, rebo we, we, we boast and we shout and we sing and we glorify God because we have, listen, hope. Now, I explained to you hope the other day. If you weren't here, I want to explain hope. You get the CD, I think it was last week even. But let me just a little bit. Hope isn't I hope so. That's not like we say it. No, when you say hope so the way the Bible means it, you say hope so. It's faith of something good happening. Now, I have faith that judgment's coming. That's not necessarily what hope means. Hope means I have hope that I'm going to heaven. I believe I'm going to heaven. It is basically saying I know that I'm going to heaven with your hands up like this and a big old smile on your face. That's what it is. Confident assurance of joyful things to come. Romans eight sixteen. listen. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, we're heirs. If you're a child of God, you're an heir. My children, 
I have two children. You know what I'm talking about. And I've told my kids, as long as you're doing good, <coughs> as long as you're doing good and you're doing right and you're obeying what mom and daddy says and you're, and you're living right, mom and daddy are never going to let you starve to death. We're, never going, we're not going to turn our backs on you. But, uh, but if you get out here and you start blowing your money up your nose or in a bottle or whatever, let me tell you, you're going to have to eat of the fruit of your own labor. But my kids, as long as they're my kids and they are believing and, 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 and trusting mom and daddy and, and living right and doing right, I want to tell you something. We're not going to let them go without. But I'm going to take care of my kids. And when Christian and I die, we don't have much, but we have a little because I want to leave something to my kids. Now, they're not going to be able to quit work on it, I'll promise you that, maybe for a week. But I've told Adrian, I've told Allison, it's been a long time, but I said, whatever we have when we leave, it's yours. It's yours. Because you're my son, you're my daughter. Now, God's not going to die. Christ isn't going to die ever again. He died but he overcame that. But he's going to give us an inheritance of all things. That's what this is talking about, the hope of the glory of God. We're going to walk with him. We're going to talk with him. We're going to have glorified bodies. We're going to live in the new Jerusalem with him. We're going to be on a new, in a new heaven and on a new earth. And who knows? I don't think we really understand heaven. And we, we, we say these things and about the Crystal River and all that. That's all true and all. But I, I hath not seen her, ear hath her. I don't think we can understand the glories of heaven. But whatever it is, and it's going to be glorious, it's something to hope on and something to hope for. We get it. We get it. And we'll receive it. And I, some may have this vision of jumping in a pond of coins and throwing the gold in the air. I have the vision of seeing all that God has prepared for me and falling at his feet and worshiping him. And then grabbing his head and said, come on, come show me around. I know that's weird stuff, but what I'm saying is, I, I my, listen, I've told you this before. If heaven were nothing but a sea of white nothingness and Jesus alone, it ought to be enough for us. Amen? But he has promised us all the glories of heaven. I don't have time to explain it all. Verse 17, Romans 8, 17, and if children heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. 2 Corinthians 4, verse 17, for our light affliction. Now, you got to understand something. This is Paul, stoned, beaten, imprisoned, run out of every city ever went into, rejected. Shipwreck, snake bitten, Paul, this light affliction makes you want to kick yourself, don't it? Which is but for a moment is working for us a far more, far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. 
Verse 18, while we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen, for the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. <laughs> Colossians 3, 1 through 4. If then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above. Where Christ is, sitting at the right hand of God, set your mind on things above, not on the things of the earth. For you died, and your life is hidden with Christ. I'm talking about died to sin, died to self, died to hell. You're not going to experience that. And your life is hidden with Christ. In other words, your life is identified with Christ. If Christ is eternal, you're eternal. If Christ is holy, you are holy. If Christ is love, you are love. And forever and ever will be with Christ because we are in Christ. Now listen. When Christ, who is our life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. I'm telling you, because I've trusted Jesus and his grace was shed on me, I have the, I, I have the, uh, the peace. I have peace with God. I have access to God, and I believe the promise that one day I'll walk with him hand in hand in the glory of God. We have access to him. And he does hear us. He does answer our prayers. He does help us. He has given us his word. He has given us our church. And in those things, we have access to God and prayer and all those other things. So in the past, we received the peace of God when we got saved. In the present, now after we're saved, we have access to God. And we also have the promise that one day when we die, we're going to step into the presence of God. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. And one day, maybe I'll have to do your funeral. I don't look forward to any of it. Other than I'm glad I have the privilege of being able to do it. But I'll tell the same old story over your box. She trusted Jesus. She's with the Lord. <laughs> but in that lowest moment, when you die and I have to preach your funeral, I will be able to say, eh, he's not here. All these tears and all this sadness is for you and for me. And in 50 to 100 years, we'll all wonder why in the world we spent so much time grieving. I'm not saying you shouldn't grieve, by the way. You should grieve. But, We'll understand it better by and by. Trials dark on every hand, and we cannot understand all the ways that God would lead us to the blessed promised land, but he'll guide us with his eye, and we'll follow till we die, and then we'll understand it better by and by. So let's just quit worrying about it. Live for Jesus and hope for the glory of God. In conclusion, when he shall come with trumpet sound. I'm going to do another song. I've got this one written down, though. When he shall come with trumpet sound, Oh, may I then in him be found, dressed in his righteousness alone, and faultless to stand before his throne. The last verse of that says, My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame. I wholly lean on Jesus' name. On Christ the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. All other ground is sinking sand. <laughs> you have access to God. Use it. Use it often. Use it continually. You have peace with God now. Remember the days when you didn't. 
and glorify God because he made peace through the blood of the cross. And that death is just another leap of victory for you and me. Spurgeon talking about when he was dealing with the cholera outbreak in London. He said, may come next week and talk about how they're going to trust the Lord and he was going to keep serving. And he says, if I suddenly die, I will suddenly be in the presence of God.